people, Deluded, I'm back again. Welcome back to the Deluded podcast, people. It's, yeah, it's a pleasure each and every time. I don't sound in good spirits because I'm actually suffering with illness like Mesut Ozil. I've got a cold. Obviously, Arsenal this week are trying to destroy any sort of optimism or morale I have in relation to the top four race. Um... It's been an eventful week in the Premier League and obviously with Arsenal there's been a lot of incidences that has surrounded the club based on this week, based on how the manager's been playing, based on certain performances from team from team members um, and just the result. So we might as well get straight into it, man. Let's, get, let's crack on straight with Arsenal versus Crystal Palace people. Now for me, we lost, I mean we, it feels like a loss against Crystal Palace admittedly people for a couple of reasons. Obviously with two goals up was two goals up you walk away with a point dropping two it's gonna feel like that just I just don't feel the performance was there man I feel there's a lot of question marks and there needs to be rightly so over Uno Emery offensively what are we doing I feel sorry for Sabahis because I don't feel Sabahis had a good game but go and look at the go and these are creative players yeah why are they always having to come deep there's problems with our build-up play there's no intention to hurt the opposition when we play out from the back there's no real intention to devastate teams. There's no real intention to play a forward pass and everything comes to Emery. Emery has had 15 months to coach now. He's had two pre-seasons. Last pre-season is where he really should have got the building blocks as to what he wanted to do this season. Yes, there was injuries, but the signs were there. We were a shambles defensively in pre-season, regardless of who was fit and who was available. So we're a shambles now. You fail to prepare, you, you, you prepare to fail, and that's what Emre's done. Emre has tried to do everything and ultimately fix nothing. I want him to do well, but he can't. he's shown he is not the man. Coaching is a big part of this role. Whether you're going to nurture young players, which you're seeing reports now, there's discontent with a lot of players and young players in particular have problems communicating with Emery. Probably why Lomberg was brought in. Um, you got to be able to develop players. you got to be able to coach a philosophy. you got to be a nurturer. And I don't feel Emery is the guy to do that. He, I don't even know if he's the guy to, to be a stable pair of hands to allow us to fix up and get in that position. You've heard allegedly the board are happy with Emery and last season they wanted to give him a new deal. These are reports that have come out from The Athletic today via David Ornstein, which I find a shambles. It costs six million to get rid of this guy and it costs 45 Arsenal stand out on losing that if we do not get the Champions League. That is going to hurt owner's pockets and that is a pe penny that, that drops f firmly at the feet of Una Emery. I do think Emery, Emery, I don't know man, he's in a difficult position because... When you look at how he's with Ozil and the Xhaka thing today, it's him who's going to get the blame, you know. The board might very much want to move Ozil on, but they're not going to get the blame for their treatment of him or whatever. It's Emery. So if Emery, regardless of what Emery does to this season, he needs to realise he is the full guy. To Champions League is, is vital. Uh, this is probably the toughest period he's faced in his career and I don't see him getting out of it purely because he shows no willingness. He's made Arsenal even found a way to make us even more predictable than, than how it was in the last few years under Wenger. You know it's going to be stale. You know we're going to be woeful defensively. You know we're going to make it hard for ourselves. We can't sit here and waffle on about VAR, man. VAR, is a, VAR needs to be fixed, in it? VAR did us dirty yesterday. Our blushes should have been saved and Socrates should have scored a third. For whatever reason, it was disallowed. We've had how many penalties and shouts in general turned down now. They need to fix up VAR. We can sit here and talk about VAR denying us a goal. Callum Chambers penalty. And sit here, and rightly so, say if, if this didn't happen, if that didn't happen, it's a different game. But I tell the Arsenal fans that want to waffle on about that. I have to say, do not get bored of that. 
How many games have we lost or whatever and we've said if this happened, if that happened, it wouldn't be this? I've heard even Arsenal players saying take away the two goals or take away the last few games at the end of the season, we have a good game. If if there's no ifs and buts in life, there's only facts, there's no removing stuff. And this false sense of, I don't even know the right word, but it's like we live in a bubble sometimes. Emre lives in a bubble, I don't know what Emre's on when you hear some of his comments post-game. It's nonsense. It is, it is nonsense. Emre has shown he's not the guy. I want him to get it right so badly. I'd love to see it, but I don't see the building blocks. Rome wasn't built in a day. I'm sure many fans don't expect us to be whatever Emre's final project or, or projection for this team is, or just in general. But we're not, we've been here 15 months and we're not seeing a close fragment. He quickly made us able to play out from the back. So why can't he make us defend? Why can't he get the best out of us offensively? It doesn't matter if it's Menza Oz or Ceballos or anyone with any creativity within that side. They're going to struggle. Look how deep the midfielders are getting. Because we don't have a plan when we're building from the back. On top of not being able to defend, it's disastrous. The players have to take responsibility. But ultimately, a lot of this falls at the feet of Una Emery. He is the manager. He's picked his swords to die on. He has not coached us to a degree where we can see evident change. And that's and if this was Arsene Wenger, we'd be asking serious questions. And a lot of people shut up about it. And they told me I was hating. And they told me I was this when I gave him a 5 out of 10. And I questioned that. I've seen some good things from him, but there's many question marks. And this just shows how stupid football fans can be, man. They just want to shut up about narratives or quickly pick a position. When if you was looking at it objectively, these results or these performances have been in last season from the 22 unbeaten run. But the thing is, when it all goes right, people want to shut up about it. People want to find pillars to hide behind, talking about fight, intent. The lack of shots have been there. The half-time changes have been there. Making games continuously harder for ourselves than it needs to be. Fulham, Cardiff, Aston Villa this season, Bournemouth this season. It's an absolute joke. And I've had enough of Emery. I can't lie to you lot, people. I've, I, I don't advocate for him to get sacked today or tomorrow. There are calls for that. And really and truly, there's nothing to deny that. But to which I say, if we're going to sack a man, I don't necessarily want to write off this season because regardless of how angry I am, we are fifth. We still can get top four. If we can... And again, I don't like harping on about this ifs, but if everyone pulls together and stops dropping dumb points, we can have a stronger claim. Personally, I think it's gone, but it's still there. So if there's not a contingency plan in place to either give Longbird the job full-time or we're not talking to prospective new managers for Emre to go, then I'm not really on it. I'm not just I'm not on sacking the man just because I don't think he's good enough and then there's not really a plan and then we're still in this bubble and we're oohing and ahhing and things. I'm not on that, people. Emre's shown he's not the man. He's shown he's not the man. And for me... He's got to question himself. I told you lot in previous vids, to be a success here, he's got to reinvent himself because he is, as much as I feel the players make mistakes, he is his own worst enemy with how he starts teams, with how he manages players, with how he communicates to fans, uh, clearly with how he communicates to players because they're not getting your tactics. You, you, you can't, it's, it's, I, I'm trying to be respectful, but it's just cowardly from, from Uno Emre. Uno Emre does play football like a coward. Talks about chameleon teams. We're never on the front foot, regardless of teams. He doesn't think about what our team can do to oppositions. And I don't necessarily not like the fact that he likes to think about the opposition. But there needs to be balance. We've gone from Wenger, who thought too much about what his team can do and disregarded the opposition, to this guy. Like He might not, he might as well not have a football team. Uh, Emre has shown he's not a top six manager. Him and Brendan Rodgers, perspectively, should swap jobs. I say that because... At least Rodgers would recognise he's at Arsenal, he needs to be on the front foot. Emre is the perfect manager for the underdog teams, where they're expected to be chameleons or not expected to get results. He buckles under pressure time and time again. And I told people these tactics are questioning, but they told me, give him time, it's not his plays, it's this, that and the other, and all of this tosh. It don't make no sense. You could see 
it was not as white and black as saying when he gets his players because there's no blueprint to what he's trying to do. He's trying to do everything but nothing. He's trying to make us defending. He's trying to make us attack, but he's not doing enough. How he has been here, before he even took the job, people, everybody and their nan knew where Arsenal go wrong. We've got the strikers, but where we go wrong, it, the underlying factor is how we defend. Away from home, games where we shouldn't concede, just dumb goals. Anything, the underlying factor is defensively. You should have known the first thing I come in, I've got to improve that. How do you manage to have a put worse away record? I know we had the poor record in Seville, but how do you manage to have that? We had video analytics and all of these things, and he's flattered to deceive. When you get past the people were so excited with the fresh of breath of fresh air and the excitement and the charisma, they've seen it. I mean, I don't want to call him a fraud because he's won three manager three Europa Leagues in his managerial career, but he is an Arsenal fraud right now. Like I want him to get it right, but He's nothing short of a failure, he's been failing. On one hand, you can say he had a successful first year, he got to the Europa League and just missed out by a point. But just as much as the players were to blame last season, Emre was. Emre effed about with tactics for no reason. The final, the players were, were atrocious, but so was the tactics. Emre is his own worst enemy. How many times have you seen his substitutions ruin games? It didn't happen. We, we managed to ruin it on our own accords on Sunday, yesterday. But against Watford, against Palace last year, we have been atrocious all season. The only convincing performance you could say we had is to a degree Spurs, um, Spurs, the Spurs game. Maybe to a degree the United game in some elements. But we've been poor home and away really and truly. There's only been a handful of times since Emre's been here. We've played convincingly. And people shut up about the lack of shot statistics, for instance. And people said, oh, we're more precise, man. We're having nine shots, but we're scoring more than we was under Wenger. Bruv, brother, if we're shooting less, if we're facing more shots, if we're not creating, the statistics and the eyes test should confirm this is mad scary, bruv. Like, this... He is almost the most un-Arsenal candidate, people. You was, I don't want to sit here and say we should have went for Arteta because I was on Arteta. But at the same time, let's be honest, you do want you can never get confirmations in football. But Emre's managerial history and, and just the experience, because of how he was as a club and we needed a safe pair of hands, that's probably where the club went. Potentially, if we went for a more radical change, it could have been different. I think Emre relished it because only now people are asking questions of him. He went from PSG where he's heavily scrutinised to now. Before people were saying the players, the fans, the time, the this, despite the, the signs always being there with this guy, people. The signs were there. We hid behind all of these things and I think he relished that. I still think he relishes that because to a degree, yes, we're talking about Emre, myself included, people. But you're talking about the Chambers penalty. You're talking about Xhaka. Ozil's not even in the match squad. You're talking about Ozil and creativity. You're talking about Ceballos. I'm not saying don't talk about these, but ultimately there's one common factor and that's Una Emre, people. That game against Palace was atrocious. It was superb by Arsenal standards. We scored two goals in the first 10 minutes, people. Well, I thought, yo, we're here to do something different. Like, we've start, Arsenal never start the first half well, let alone the first 10 minutes. It looks like we're smelling blood. 2-0 up foot off the gas, enjoying ourselves too much. They get 2-1 before half-time. You can guarantee in the Palace dressing room, they said, listen, we've been atrocious. It's 2-1. This is Arsenal. We've been here before and they've come to our place and we've got something out of this game. We can do something. And you saw the reaction. When Arsenal, pardon my language, we went we, 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 we went down the piss, bruv. What, what happened? What is said at half-time? What is said with the play? Forget the manager for a sec. What, what did the players say to each other? Yo, listen. We could have probably got a third or a fourth. We could have smelt blood. We didn't. It's 2-1. Let's go out there. Let's manage the game. Let's press for a third. But let's not be stupid. Let's remember it's a dangerous lead. As you know, 2-0 is a dangerous lead. 
And the fact that it took about 10 to 12 minutes for, for the equaliser to come off the back of shambles defending and half chances by Palace shows me a lot of these players, on top of the manager, are just not good enough or just haven't got the minerals and the seasonings to offer this club getting top four. This is a mad fight, people. These players and this manager, ev after every game and in the week, they talk about what they need to do. Bouncing back. It's put up or shut up. It's put up or shut up. I don't feel these guys badly want to get top four to the fact where... It, it, it consumes them. They can't sleep at night and things. Where we, We've seen that before I mean, with teams that have won titles at this club. They're not doing that. I don't feel these players are all behind them right now. I've seen it now. I don't. I, if fans are questioning it, the players don't live in a bubble. They have to be questioning it. Some of these tactics, when Torreira's not in, Aubameyang's out wide, Ceballos is more or less playing as a left mid, playing out from the back with no intention. There has to be question marks coming from that dressing room. And if you lose that dressing room, it's gone even more. It's ridiculous, people. It is, it's, it's ridiculous, man. We deserve to lose that game. And we and it feels like a loss, despite the fact it was a draw. Yes, VAR done us dirty and all of these sort of things. And people could have taken chances. But forget harping on about that. We lost this game, like many, because of ourselves. We make games harder for ourselves, more so than we need to. And let's get on to Granit Xhaka. Granit Xhaka, strip him of captaincy, never played for this club again. Do I feel Xhaka is entirely wrong in his reaction? Of course not. Not every, no one can hold their hands up and say they ain't done nothing. And I think this goes to show there's a fine line between constructive criticism and damn right scapegoating. And I, I have to say, fans that do that are a disgrace. Even with Mustafi, to a degree. There was games he never played, people got onto him. Meza Ozil the same. There was times even when Dozy gets it. Fans need to, this is why I say, use the eye test. Especially with social media and some other YouTubers and things like that. They want to get clout off of being sensationalised and stuff. Like you're seeing... I was on AFTV, you're seeing people chant, I'm there, people are chanting, what do you think of Xhaka, shit, what do you think of shit, Xhaka, that might be true, but what's all this, what's all this, you have pushed Xhaka, you have pushed him, you have got onto him on social media, you have sent abuse to his pregnant wife, you, he has pundits getting at him, he's got fans booing him, and he wasn't the worst player on the field, he didn't deserve it yesterday, admittedly, he got jeered first, and as he took long, he got booed, is what I saw in it, I wasn't involved in none of that, I can't take nothing away if you... If you paid your money and that's how you feel, you want to boo him, I don't agree with it, but you do that, innit? You do, you do you, you do what helps you. But it fans are disgraceful, you've pushed the man, you've pushed the man, he's obviously going to react, the man is human, no matter how much of a professional footballer. And fans are soft, you can't be telling the man to fuck off and he tells you to fuck off back and you're crying. Who do you think you are? Are you the queen? Is this a dictatorship? Just because you pay your money don't mean you can treat people like shit. It doesn't make sense. He's going to react. Obviously, he could have reacted in a different way, but I would have reacted like him with the cups and stuff. Where I was sitting, it looked like he threw the shirt, people. So I was even more mad at him. I've seen that he's held it in his hand. Um, so he's not wrong in reacting. But at the same time, you're a professional footballer. Forget the fans, forget the club. Your manager, the one person whose opinion it matters, that does it, is more or less you against the world, word, word to Tupac, um, me against the world and that. He's put faith in you. And you're not running off the, they need to get a result after bottling a two-goal lead. And you're not running off the field for them. The manager who plays you and made you captain. The players who you train with day in, day out. And you're the leader of men because you're the captain. You're not fighting for them. They're the men in the trenches with you. The men that are fighting criticism with you. The men that are fighting personal comments with you. We are brothers in arms at this fucking club, people. We win, lose and fucking draw together. And it pees me off when people do things like that. It pees me off when fans do things like that. We need to all be together. I'm not saying don't ask questions. But it's toxic. 
How can we... I just want to be able to focus on football people. I've spoken about the performance, but what have you... You've seen me talk about several points that are irrelevant to this thing, and it annoys me. And Xhaka should never play for this club and should be stripped of his captaincy, people. But at the same time, some fans have to look themselves in the mirror and think, yo, what am I doing? Because sometimes there's a fine line. Constructive criticism is fine. Voicing your opinion is fine. But there needs to be balance. There's a fine line between constructive criticism and damn right scapegoating. Man, I've been on Xhaka for weeks. Xhaka has got it from all angles. And to be fair, for whatever you say about him, he hasn't reacted for time. But it's like a volcano. Everyone's got a breaking point. I don't agree with it. He would never play for my club again if I was in charge or had any decisions to make. But... He is he, he, he's allowed to react, man. He shouldn't he shouldn't be captain in the first place. He shouldn't be a regular in the first place. But fans have got to look close and deep to home people. Because pardon my language, there's a lot of fucking virgins at Arsenal, man, that carry on stupid, man. And it, it, it pees me off, man. It pees me off. It pees me off. Arsenal fans are becoming toxic. When you've got... Oh, I'm not saying don't chant Ozil's, Ozil's thing. Ozil's, Ozil's chant, people. It's becoming toxic and the club are bringing on a lot of it themselves. Just come out and say Ozil is not involved because the manager wants to move him on. The board want to move him on. That's right. Don't be giving little dribs and drabs. One minute the, the young players are training harder. Then the next minute um, Ozil's training hard. Don't. Because Emre, again, it's the board clearly help, um, supporting Emre. But Emre is going to be the full guy. Do you think a new manager could come in and use Ozil and the board can shut up about it? It's Emre's sword he's going to die on. Emre, you need to fix up. You need to look deep at home. And I'm looking at you on the touchline. I don't see any anything from you to suggest you you, you, you look like someone feeling the pressure based on what I saw to, um what I saw people. Credit to Palace, man. I don't even think Zaha people are saying Zaha was the best player on the field. I don't feel anyone was amazing. I don't feel Zaha was amazing at all, haven't been at the game really. We played into their hands, man. We lost this game through no fault of our own um through through no fault other than our own. So Arsenal have to look close to home from a possible six six points. Six points this week. You've taken one. You don't want top four. You don't want top four. You can tell me and you can come out and say you want top four. You don't want top four. You don't. Because you wouldn't have... If you lose, you lose. I have no problem losing to the better men. But did we did we play like a team that deserved to get anything from Sheffield? No. Apart from the opening 10 minutes, 15 against Palace. Did we play like it? No. And that tells me the players cannot hack it. You can't play for the shirt. Forget the shirt. You can't play for yourselves, people. Go back to 04. We had teams winning the league. So, so and Lehman want to kick lumps at each other after winning a league title. That is, I'm not saying you need to do that because we're a long way away from that. But that's the sort of professionalism we need. They are dying for their careers. They were dying to win trophies. They were dying to, to get the best results because they, they wanted that. These players don't want to do that. You don't. You don't because what he said the week before, people, honest to God, what he said in the week to these three games in the week with Sheffield, the Europa League and this, what the hell is said, people? What he said? The manager can say what he said, but what's said in the group of players? Boy, we haven't played, surely, we haven't played convincingly this season. We've been a bit iffy. We've got a big test. We've got Palace who beat us last week on Sun, last year, sorry, on Sunday. We've got Sheffield who many people don't expect us to get anything from. Let's prove people wrong. Let's put in a consistent performance. You prove people right against Sheffield. Toothless to be nice. Against Palace. We all knew some, Palace would get something out of the game. But Arsenal fans can be forgiven for thinking it was going to be a different game bursting at 10 minutes. And you let yourselves down. We win, lose and draw together. And there's not been too many occasions where any players in these games can leave the field low and yo, saying, yo, I gave it my all. I played as good as I can. I don't, I, they probably will. 
I don't want to see no one get the day off today on Monday. Them and they need to be doing analysis and doing tactical training, doing a light session in terms of positioning and where you should be on the field. I don't know. Let Lombard dick. Emre Shoney is clearly not the guy for structure, people. Clearly. Emre, can, Emre was called pragmatic. You can say he is pragmatic. He's a coward, people. He's bland and he's a coward. Let's, let, let, let's, let's be honest. I love Emre. I, I want him to do well, but he's a, he's a bland coward right now. People called him pragmatic because he plays three centre mids and, and he constantly gets scared of the opposition. He's not. If you're a pragmatic manager, you're a decent defensive manager. Emre is not that. Emre is not decent offensively. Emre, the only exception is Aubameyang's probably clouding the ratings and statistics with his goals. But Emre is not the coach for this club. He's a good underdog coach. He's shown he isn't the, the coach. Uh, today, if things can change, but today on the 28th of October 2019, I've got no faith in Emery. I'm going to support him, I'm going to support the boys, but I've got no faith anymore in regards to top four. I've got no faith in regards to him being the long-term manager for this people because he's shown that he's, he's... There's no building blocks. Rome wasn't built in a day, but I'm not seeing no bricks, no scaffolding. I'm not seeing no no labourers on, 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 the, on the building site. I'm not seeing no, no sort of plan to suggest... When, what we're trying to do moving forward. So I almost thought, I, I have to call fans, quite frankly, stupid. For all them fans that were sitting there and going, yeah, when Holden's back, when Tierney's there, when Bellerin's there. Obviously, these players are better players, so they'll make a difference. But there's no structure defensively. Van Dijk could come in this defence and it will still look calam. Obviously, he's a world-class centre-half. He will show that. But there's no positioning. Do you think Van Dijk could defend as good as he can if, if Trent Arnold and Robertson couldn't shuffle across? Or is Matip wasn't playing decent? It's you're never Arsenal fans need to stop looking at in all positions, all over the field, one man or one set of individuals to change everything when it's a fucking philosophy. This this team is gonna kill me, people. Man. This, this this team is gonna kill me, but let's move on from Arsenal, man. I've I've said what I needed to say. I want to hear Jacques come out and said sorry and never captains this team again. He needs to be given a fine and he needs to never play for this team at least for the next few weeks and whatever. Realistically, Emre is gonna throw him back into the team next week. I'll be surprised if he if he doesn't. To be fair, and to be fair, Emre, you're in a dangerous position because I feel this Jacques situation will say more about you than the old one. If you're captain, fair enough, defend him and whatnot. But if he can come out and behave like that and you're going to play him every week now, on top of him just not putting in good performances and probably questioning him already, what does that tell you to the fans more on a more scary vibe? What would that tell me as a player? If I'm Lucas Torreira and I haven't played, for example, and, and Jack hasn't been in poor form and um, carried on like that and I'm not playing, what's that going to say? What's that going to say to the other captains? Because Aubameyang didn't look too, too happy with him, with how he's carrying on. What's that going to say if he gets away with it? There's clearly... Because of the way we're playing, no one can tell me there's not discontent within this team. I don't know that for a fact, but there's clearly discontent. And it's going to build and build. And it's looking like another toxic ending, people. And there is a... I don't know, people. Let's, let's, let's just shut up about Emery now. It costs £6 million to clip him. It costs 45 if we don't get Champions League. Aubameyang and Lacazette, if I was either player, I would not be signing a new contract, to, to be honest, at this moment in time. Because um, you never know what, what, what could happen, people. So let's move on from Arsenal, man. Let's get the hell on from Arsenal, man. Let's let's get into Brighton Lord. I mean, a, a somewhat tonic, even though we we it feels like a loss, and I keep saying loss. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Spurs lost two one to Liverpool. Now, I feel Liverpool needed a big win in the game. Not that they needed it, because I mean they're second, they're doing their their first. Sorry, I believe they're doing their thing. Sorry for that. They're doing their thing, but I just feel. Considering how they kind of played against United last week, I feel for the fans and for Klopp's men, they probably wanted to. Pardon me putting a convincing performance and obviously it didn't start well. Kane reacting, taking the lead in what, a minute or so. Henderson's goal looked pretty decent, people. I don't know what Rose and Aurier were terrible. Obviously Aurier conceded the penalty. 
They it, it looks like it look well. It is the end really in terms of the cycle at Spurs. Poch needs to either be let, move on or be given the funds to reinvent the team and inject some youth because some of these players don't want to be here. There's contract nonsense and it is what it is. I feel Gazaniga. I feel he did okay. Gazaniga did okay considering he got peppered by Liverpool. To be fair, but good on Liverpool. Liverpool for claiming points. Manchester United managed to miss two penalties but still won three one against um. Norwich, which is a good three points for them. They've had an iffy few weeks. It's good for Rashford's confidence to score, especially considering the penalty as well. McTominay scored, but he made a mistake. Martial, that was a good little chip, man. Um, so it's a vital three points on the road for Manchester United, really. So United are la United and Chelsea are laughing, really, to be fair, um, at Arsenal dropping points these last two games. Um, so let's move on from that. Obviously, you had Brighton, you had Brighton versus Everton people. Um, Brighton nicked it and won 3-2. That was a lovely free kick from Pascal Gross as well, people. Um, and it seems almost to a degree that Brighton are just Marco Silva's bogey team because he's become the first manager to lose three Premier League games against them. And I think um, in, I think he didn't have the best of results in the championship against them. I don't have the stats to hand. Um, Pascal Gross, has, with, with scoring that free kick, it's also Brighton's first ever direct free kick in, in, in um, scored in the Premier League. And also their first in league competition since Poganoli netted versus QPR in the championship. So fair play to them. Um, Calvin Lewin has scored five goals in his last five appearances in all comps. As many as he netted in 39. Now, I don't rate Calvin Lewin, to be fair. My opinion doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the opinions that matter is his manager. He's a Premier League footballer. I'm in my room doing this pod podcast, innit? But he's not my cup of tea. He's one of them footballers. I, I'm genuinely amazed how you are a footballer. I can see why you're big, you're a target man, but you've got no technical ability. I, I so, I'm sure he's been called up for England and I'm, I was shocked at that. But for someone who I don't believe in and, and whatnot, if you're scoring five goals on the spin, you're doing your thing, man. So shout out to him. Obviously, Manchester City won 3-0. Won um, and Raheem Sterling done his thing again, yet again. Um... Raheem Sterling has scored 13 goals in 14 appearances in all competitions this season, more than any other player in 2019-20. Um, Man City have also won their last nine home games against Aston Villa by an aggregate scoreline of 34. I feel Villa was. I feel Villa's performance like they put in a performance. They definitely played better than Arsenal at, um, at the Etihad last year. Um, I wouldn't say they necessarily deserve to lose 3-0, but they shot themselves in the foot. And City's quality kind of kind of made the difference in my in my opinion, people really and truly. Obviously, Chelsea won 4-2 against Burnley. And that's the difference, people. With I don't want to say... Both Arsenal and Chelsea need to improve defensively. But look at it, people. Chelsea smelt blood. They went for the kill and scored four goals. They conceded two stupid goals. I think McNeil scored. I can't remember the other one. But it's 4-2. We done dumb stuff. And it's 2-2. Do you get it? When you don't smell blood. I'm not saying that we need to rely on outscoring teams in which clearly Lampard's men are doing right now. But you see the difference between when you have a clear philosophy, it can save you at times. Um, shout out to shout out to um, Chelsea to be fair because they're playing good football. Pulisic obviously got grabbed a hat trick. The young players are playing convincingly. Everything's going right apart from clean sheets for Chelsea. And to be fair, they're getting top four. So Lamp I mean, Emery has no excuse. You've been in fifteen months. Em Lampard's been t been there two minutes. Lampard, what prior to this and dog uh, prior and and you've got more experience than Lampard. 
Chelsea, let's be honest, he got the back of the Chelsea job purely because it's Frank Lampard. He done all right at Derby. He got the Derby job out of nowhere. He really got to skip a lot of a lot of a lot of cycles after just being a pundit. He's gone from being a Jack the Ladder pundit and, and whatnot, one of the lads, to doing his thing at Derby. And now look at what he's doing at Chelsea. No critique of his own, and he's able to identify how Chelsea need to improve, or he had a clear blueprint. What is Emery? It's only now this season, really and truly, Emre's messing with the young players. Yeah, Gwendozi's playing and a couple other young players in Europa got chances. And this year, Saka and that is playing. But last year, he weren't feeling that. Lampard went into Chelsea with a clear philosophy of, yo, young players attacking football. Brendan Rodgers, yo, I want to do this. Klopp, he's reinvented his style to a degree, but I want to do this. If you, fall, if you stand for nothing, you fall for anything. And people have finally seen, when you look past... The, the, the freshness of a new manager, his alleged tenacity and enthusiasm. Emery doesn't stand for anything and Arsenal have no principles right now um, and whatnot. And when you're hearing Mourinho's agent Mendes or whoever is at the game, then it's a bit tricky. Why he's there, I don't know. He could be there purely just to, you know, be there with Sanye. He could be managing players who were trying to sign and we've invited them. I don't know. Um, and I mainly don't know if he's Jose Mourinho's manager because I heard he's his, his agent now, but wasn't that Renault at a point? I don't know, people. Either way, he was at the game. So it's a joke thing, people, man. Obviously, West Ham, West Ham, West Ham drew as well. Let me get the, this don't look certain. Let me get the stats up, people. Let me get the Premier League statistics card. I don't know if, why has it said Burnley twice? Mm-mm-mm. Apologies, people. Yeah, let's let's crack on. Yeah, so West West Ham, where are they? West Ham and Sheffield United. Sorry, like I said, they drew. Um, Snodgrass got his first goal in a while. Um, and whatnot. And Sheffield United are still unbeaten away from home, and they've shown why. Bournemouth from Watford nil nil. Um, obviously, I forgot to mention in the City game, the dumbest thing was obviously a needless yellow, needless red card, really. From Fernandinho, kind of messing it up for his team. Um, what else have we got? Um, the Bradka kind of allowed Wolves to make it 1-1. And we've got Wolves at home. Wolves have drawn away from home. They probably wanted, wanted to take three points coming into our game. But considering our form, why would you not fancy it against Arsenal? We've got Wolves on Saturday, which is going to be a difficult game, people. Make no mistake of it. And we can't not speak about Southampton versus versus Leicester how the Southampton gaffer it might not all be his fault but how he's still got the job I don't know people you've got two man scoring hat-tricks in Vardy and Perez you've got Telemans continuing his good goal scoring form you've got Chilwell popping up left backs popping up with goals Madison popping up with one so that's the two English lads apart from Vardy popping up with one how do you manage to lose 9-0 like you've set records now the manager's got a goal some of them players could never play for the team again Inside the first half, you're 4-0 down, people. Come come the 58th minute, you're about six goals down. It's a, it's, 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 it's sad, man. I, I feel sorry for the fans. I don't feel sorry for Southampton. I feel sorry for the fans, man. And to be fair, Leicester won 9-0 here. When Arsenal go to St. Mary's, it's going to be a different story. But it's sad, man. The goal thing, like, this the way the club is. And Southampton on that result alone deserve to go down, man. You're looking at it. Leicester had 25 shots, people, 15 on target, 73% possession, 709 passes. In, in, in comparison to passes, Southampton, I know they had 10 men, but they had 272 possession rate of just 27%. Three shots on target to six shots. Now, that's not the worst statistic, but considering you're at home, it is poor. 
they deserve Southampton at 18th and they look like candidates to go down really and some of the promoted teams are probably licking their lips Watford and Southampton definitely wouldn't have thought Watford would be here would have thought they'd be nearer to the top half of the, t- this, the table real relegation candidates right now people um, <clears throat> and I'm having a hard time I back Sheffield United unless something happens to stay up purely because I do think they have a lot of championship standard players but they know how to play and grind out results um, Villa could probably go down, but them doing what they need to do is sit in 15th. Right now, the relegation battle is Watford in 20th, Norwich in 19th, and 18th is Southampton. Now, Norwich will probably go down. I just don't think they have enough to stay in the league. But back to Southampton and, and, and Leicester people, it's atrocious, man. Like, Vardy, what, that's 80-something goals or something now in the Prem or something for Vardy, if if not that. I saw some stat come up. Vardy's been a Premier League... He is, he is a Premier League legend now. There's no way around it. In respective to Leicester, he's a Premier League legend. He's one for the kids, man. He's gone from working part-time to Premier League winner and scoring goals for fun. And it's almost like... It's funny how what new managers can do... Apologies, people. It's funny what new managers can do for you because I'm sure Claude Powell had Vardy playing a bit iffy and Rodgers is coming and he's doing his thing again. But quick little statistics. Statistically, Leicester have recorded the biggest ever victory by an away side in an English top flight league game in 139 years of the Football League. Um, Leicester have earned 20 points from their opening 10 games of the of the season, um, one more than at the same stage of their title winning season in 2015-16, which was 19, and it's their joint most ever in the top flight season, along with 19-30-31 season. So... They might not obviously win the league this year, but top four looks like a real good shout if they remain consistent. Now, football is funny. If they go on a couple of losing games on the spin, people start changing their narratives. But I feel regardless, if I was a Leicester fan, I'd be happy with Rodgers. Now, Rodgers, there's still question marks over him, but one thing you can't have is his coaching. He's a very good coach. He's shown it at Reading, at Chelsea in the academy before his senior career took off. And that's lovely. It's lovely for Madison and Chilwa and the young players. It's lovely for Vardy at his old age relative to see that somebody knows how to get the use, the best out of him, and isn't really going to change him into something that he's not really. Um, it's good for the. It's good. It's, it's just nice to see a clear blueprint of a team, especially not seeing that at Arsenal. I can't not be envious. People, so shout out to Leicester. They've also become the sec- only the second time in Premier League history to have two players score a hat trick in the same game. That was Perez and Vardy. Arsenal did that in 2003, where Pennant and Perez did that. Obviously, keeping off, keeping on fact with Iozzi Perez, he's become the first player to score a hat-trick in back-to-back Premier League appearances against a single opponent since a certain Luis Suarez did it against Norwich in 2012. So, yeah. And also, as well, it's funny that prior to this winning 9-0, you know Leicester never won on a Friday, people. Leicester never won on a Friday. That's a, it's funny how these statistic things work out, people. Um, it is it, it, it is really, really, really funny. In fact, one second, people. What happened there? People, like I was going to say, keeping in, in, in theme with, with Leicester, we all remember Arsenal's former player, Colo Torres, there, and... I, I'm subscribed to The Athletic as well, people. Student account, got my, you know, little cousin. He's at uni and that, you know, let's get that money off. You get it? But, um, Colo Torre, when you watch Leicester, you see him sitting on the bench and obviously a lot is made of Arteta and a, from an Arsenal perspective and a lot is not necessarily made of Colo Torre. And if you look at it, I'm not saying to take either one, but 
I think Colo looks like he can be a good coach and obviously he's a former Arsenal man. But what is separating? Why do some people want Colo? Want, want, and I, I more want Arteta than Colo. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. So listen, people. If they're both relatively inexperienced or similar experience, why are some people so on Arteta? But if you mention Colo, they'll be like, oh, I don't know, you know. When if you look at it, Colo's been doing what Arteta's doing. He's been learning his craft under Brendan Rodgers at Celtic. Remember, he was at Liverpool as a player under Brendan Rodgers. In, in fact, Rodgers actually said in the same article, I brought him in for experience and I know he wanted to make inroads to coaching. So he's done the thing at Celtic. He's done the thing at Liverpool. He's now at Leicester with him, learning his experience. Obviously, Arteta, there's no, you, there's no one better to learn from in the modern game than Pep Guardiola. And what I like more away from ob the obvious reasons of him playing under Wenger, playing under Pepe, Pep, being Spanish, that's all got to play in your philosophy. And you'd think with him being at City and Arsenal, the attacking in principles and all that Spanish stuff would be there. Makes him a t an enticing option. More impressive for me with, with Arteta people is you hear stuff like, just when you go and look at City's title winning season, you hear how there were certain tactics Arteta was in charge of with the opposition analysis and what our players should be doing and stuff and movements and runs we should be making. That's all coaching. I love to hear that. And I love to also hear how he spent a lot of time with Gab Jesus and, and Raheem Sterling helping them one-to-one. -one. That's a coach. That's what Arsenal need. But Colo Torre also has that to a fair degree. Apparently, he's been praised for his influence on Seyuncu. He's been praised as that. He's been praised by a um, by a couple of young players at the club as well, and um, he's also spoke. He, apparently, his dream is to win the World Cup with an African country. So I'd love to see a black manager do, either do that or obviously win the league. And we need more black managers. And it's nice to see Souls at Southampton. And I know sooner or later Colo might get his chance. But just a couple of lines I, I took from the article on the Athletic. It said, "Torre is having a particular impact on the young defenders at City, including this year's breakthrough star." Sayinchu. Rogers, who was initially um unsure about him due to an un due to an un sorry people. Rogers was initially unsure about him due to an occasional habit of committing costly errors, which is probably still there. He's been a revelation since stepping up into the first team. So he's worked one to one with these with these defenders. Now, as an Arsenal fan, we've got Lumberg. Could we potentially Take Colo back in a similar position. Could could we potentially go and do that? I'm not too sure, people. I think he's got a good thing going with him at Rogers, um, with Rogers, sorry, and he should do that. But apparently, he's also very competitive in training, and he's also said, well, a young player called Knight, which is who is on loan in League One from Leicester with Peterborough, he said, I did a lot of work with him in pre-season. Colo, he works a lot with defenders, so we've been working on defending as an individual as individuals and as a unit. Things like moving your feet, heading, getting on the ball, using it from the back. It's great to have him at the club because he is a big help to us young lads. So that's a good, he's a good, relatable, approachable figure, someone that they believe can help them improve people. Obviously, it's worth mentioning, like Leicester with most teams, obviously the overview is Rogers does the coaching and he's in charge, but it's almost like there's different coaches for certain things and subgroups. That is modern day football. Um... What could be of equal interest is he's got the, the article's gone on to say the first team do video sessions where they go over their own performance and he'll look at the defenders and assess their game, highlighting what they've done well and where they need to improve. It's really good to have him around. You can learn a lot from him. He's really always happy. He's very composed and he likes to talk to you one v one. As a person, he was always happy. He always wanted us to enjoy our work, but he's also very demanding. 
that's always worked with me. But there's also a way, also, there's always a laugh and a smile. So for me, we've probably got a. Cons- I, I want Colo to play well, man, to do as well as he can. And we've surely got to consider bringing him back to the club, people, surely. Um, but on that note, I'm off to lick my sorrows, uh, lick, lick my wounds, sorry, and drown my sorrows, really, with some orange juice this morning, having seen Arsenal defeated. So thank you for tuning into my podcast. For now, though, I'm out. People deluded. Thank you for watching and rocking. I'm out.